BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Taylor Hart Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. Here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. I'm Justin Prince. Joining us later on this evening is Taylor Burris, Richard Colbreth, in the production suite as we get all set for another week of iRacing action. Lots of world championships getting underway, others in full swing. There's a lot to talk about, but first things first, it's important to talk about the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series that kicked things off with a race at Wild West. And boy, oh boy, was it a wild round to start off the season where the 2022 championship runner-up, Keaton Swain, as well as rookie Jarrett Liebert, both took victories to start off the 2023 campaign on June the 28th. Those drivers picking up the double feature wins as part of the share of a $25,000 prize pool this season. The first winner, Swain, had a 16-for-16 16 16 top 10 finish record last season and kicked off where he left off to be able to continue that streak. Compare that to the rookie and Jarrett Liebert, known for being an oval specialist as well as a setup builder with dead zone racing and for Coke drivers, picking up the victory in the second event after the inversion and able to hold off. Some of the hard chargers, such as Connor Berry and Keenan Swain, by three seconds. Joining us to start off the iRacers download tonight, the driver who won the second race on the evening, Jarrett Liebert. Jarrett, you drive dirt now? First of all, second, congrats on your rookie debut in pro with a win. Thank you. It was very, very stressful. I, I didn't start driving the off-road trucks really competitively until last November, and... Team Rogue had just gotten formed with uh, Parker Retzlaff and Vicente Salas. And I've known them for since probably 2017. And uh, Parker bringing me on board and getting me to move to this side of the sim while still working on the NASCAR side was something different. But I had already been around it for years with Rallycross, just not really the off-road truck. And Rallycross, we just ended off the last season of Pro with Vicente winning at Charlotte. So I figured... I I was really, really good in Rallycross. Why why not try to get decent in the off-road truck? And with the help of Parker, uh, my teammates Vicente, Dennis, Cody, um, Nicholas Wellhouse, it really got me up to speed. Like, I think everything... I was so stressed leading into, like, uh, Connor Berry's Irising Short Course Series and everything like that. But over the time, I think I actually was less stressed in this than I was actually on the NASCAR side. Like, it really, I, I didn't have anything to prove. And that 
helped me a lot, I feel like, because I just went into the races not needing to really prove anything to anybody. Because at the end of the day, I was new. There was, I didn't really know anybody. So I think that really helped me with a series like this, especially as well. Indeed, the first race, of course, had the invert after that running order, got you to the front immediately for the second race. You talked about the confidence level, not needing to prove anything. You actually pulled away by three seconds, which is hard to do even in the invert. What was that race sequence like now in the pro side of things for that second race to score critical points early on the campaign? I'd say the invert. For me, starting 12th in race one, I, I felt like I was going to be on like the very grasp of the invert, but didn't know if I could get to there. And then with the circumstances that played out, with Bergeron accidentally flipping in turn two and getting two eighth and just holding on with a lot of front end damage. That really played into my cards for race number two. Throughout the entire week before Wild West, uh, Factory Simsport with Keaton, um, Connor Barry, and uh, us at Rogue, we held a few practice races and we had like 12 or 13 of the trucks usually that be racing on the Wednesdays. And I felt like whenever I was out front, I had really, really good race pace. But once I was mired in traffic, you're, you're kind of just matching everybody else because you can't really do much because you're kind of just sitting there behind everyone running the same line. But when I was out in front, I felt like I could match Tyson Miller, who's really, really strong around Wild West. Connor Barry is always, always fast, no matter what. Keaton Splane, who's one of my favorite people to race. But being able to like even be close to them in the practice races gave me a lot of confidence. And it all just came down to really getting a good start in the second race. And once I got out front and got to like, I'd say it was about a second and a half by around lap four or five, I kind of backed it down. I wasn't really pushing how close you would normally get to the walls and the hairpins of turn one and two. And I kind of just drove the corners pretty passively. I was probably giving up like a tenth, tenth and a half a lap. But I'd rather do that than risk making a really bonehead mistake in one of my first competitive races. Yeah, that's the interesting part because you've ran several times in RTP competition and have been a crew chief in Coke. And you mentioned part of that transition there. How's that balance now going to be like? Because as you mentioned, you're still on the Coke side while also now being the world championship side. What's that dynamic like with two different organizations? So... All, all, all of everybody at Dead Zone, Graham, Houston, Dustin, Cody, uh, Dylan, Casey, everybody that's a really big part in that, really, they, they, most of them tune in. Like some of the first people I got messages from yesterday after the race was actually some eNASCAR people like Tucker Minner, who I used to be teammates with in uh, 2020 Rotopro competition at, over at Nexus. And then uh, my team owners like Dustin Langer and Houston Hammer. But luckily... I've taken more of a role this season over on the dead zone side with doing a lot more on race stuff alongside Houston and Dustin's kind of taken a step back, but he's always still there if you need him. And for Crandon, for example, or, or like we were testing Crandon before wild west. And I was, I would test Crandon one day and the next day I'd switch over to Nashville because that's our next uh, Coke race in the weeks. And I'd work with Graham mainly on that set. But it's mainly one of those deals where you just you kind of put one night testing Pro 4 stuff. And next night, you test Coke. Maybe the next night, you test Road to Pro. Like tonight, uh, Road to Pro's in, I think, is like a week from now. So I'm testing some mid-Ohio stuff tonight, more than likely with Eddie, who's one of our drivers. 
it mainly just comes down to making sure you put the time where it's important and not overlooking something. Because at the end of the day, the Coke stuff is as important, probably even more important. So as much as I'd like to run good, I also got to make sure my teammates like Graham, uh, Casey, Dylan, all have a really good shot to compete good on Tuesdays. And I think that at the end of the day is what's more important. But at the same time, I also have a team on the dirt road side that also really need to be up to speed. So just balancing like 15 hours or so for like off-road and then like 20 hours for Coke and like 10 hours for Road to Pro on the NASCAR side. That's, I'd say, probably where my weekly uh, allotment of time goes towards. So with that, you're fifth in this championship, by the way, for the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series, on top of everything else you have going on. So next time out, though, is Crandon International Raceway. You mentioned a very hectic preparation schedule. In turn, though, the championship, what are those expectations like now that you're already off to the top five to start off the point series and already one of the top-running rookies on what was Edler's interesting enough with eNASCAR experience, Joe Blewett, Justin Kine, who's been someone who worked up the ladder on the eNASCAR side, who are right around with you, just about 14 points back of Keaton Swain. Yeah, Joe Blewett, like, me and him actually talked quite a bit before the race yesterday and after the race and hung out pretty late into the night. Even though we were on separate teams, it's still one of those deals of we come from the NASCAR side, so they're kind of outcasts. So that's always a cool part. But with that, I think at the same time, some of my biggest people that like I got messages from after the race were the eNASCAR side. Like one of the first people on the off-road side was Keaton Swain, who I've always had a ton of respect for. Like anytime I ever race him, it's it's always been clean. Some of the actually most fun racing, probably one of the most fun people to ever be around on the track. But on the NASCAR side, I got messages from uh, people on Dead Zone like Casey Kerwin, Graham, Dylan Duvall, uh, my teammates at Houston Hammer, Dustin Langert, Tucker Minner, who's on Altus, but still a really good friend of mine, Liam Sheen, who's on a whole different team. It was all just a ton of the NASCAR people coming together to see someone on their side actually get it done on the off-road side. It would have been really cool to see Joel Blewett pull it off in race one. But if anybody would have beat him, it was cool to see Keaton. Well, on that note, where can fans follow along with you the rest of the season with your very hectic schedule? Uh, everybody can follow me on Twitter at Jarrett Liebert. Um, that's the main spot where any of my media happens at. And if you need to really get more in contact with me, just PM me on Twitter and I can get you hooked up in my Discord and we can go from there. Well, thank you very much once again, Jared, for the time. Yep, thank you guys for having me. Jarrett Lieber, winner of race two in the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series during the opening races at Wild West Motorsports Park. We come back in just a moment. The race one winner and the point series leader, Keaton Swain, keeping up the streak for 2022. He'll join us here by the iRacers Download, the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by my race pass after this. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio powered by My Race Pass. We continue our discussion with the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series, this time with the 2022 runner-up, Keaton Swain, who kept up his speed from last season with victory in race one. He's also the series points leader after two total races and one event so far, and a driver with railroad racing experience in the pro trucks. Keaton Swain now joins us. Keaton, first things first, congrats on the first win of the season to begin the campaign. Also, congrats on being the points leader. How was the night from your perspective, especially with the rise of the oval drivers? We've seen with the discussion, Liebert. He actually mentioned you were one of the first to congratulate him for the win. Yep. Um, you know, it was a really good start for us uh, to start the year with the win and a, a podium third place to back it up. Um, it's definitely a lot better start than I had last year. So I'm happy with, uh, you know, how we performed last night. But yeah, the uh, the new guys coming in are quick. Um, especially some of the oval guys, um, you know, they've have years of experience, even just tuning on setups, which, you know, a little bit transfers over. So, um, and then they also did a, a dirt refresh, which kind of leveled the playing field. You know, some of these guys had two, three years of, uh, pro truck experience on the, on the sim. And, uh, now that they did all this refresh, everyone's kind of back to square one here. So it's kind of leveled the playing field out and, um, I think we'll see a lot of new uh, guys up front, new winners and new guys on the podium. But, you know, to start the, the season that way with uh, a win in the third and points lead, you know, I can't complain. It was an intense battle, though, with one of those oval drivers, Joel Blewett, who's now fourth in the standings to start the season. You and him went back and forth, six-tenths of a second, the difference. In your opinion, what did it take to be able to get that victory early on, especially with one of those young guns battling it out like blew it when the younger drivers in the field. Yeah. Yeah. I was just pacing myself behind him. Um, just kind of following him. I actually didn't even mean to, uh, get by him. I was going to wait a little bit later to make my move, but, um, I think I got into him a little bit out of the uh, last turn and it kind of pushed him into the, uh, outside, uh, groove. And I was able to slip down to his inside and take the lead. And then, uh, I was trying to, run away but they uh would like i said with this new update a lot of things are different and um the draft kind of holds the guy behind you there and the lead truck seems to get real tight so uh i was struggling a little bit to get my truck to turn and he was able to stay close enough to try and make a move there at the end we made it interesting um i thought it was very clean fair racing uh i don't think he did but that's okay um he's a rookie he'll learn but um you know it came down to uh the last lap and but luckily i was able to come out on top Indeed, you mentioned some of the changes now being a part of that playing field. What's been the biggest difference that you've had to adapt to on the virtual side? And how does it compare to what you feel in the real world truck? Well, it's it's quite a bit different than what it used to be. They actually just patched it. The uh, original update had like a ton of grip and it was just kind of way too much. Um, and then they toned it back a little bit. And now the, the truck's they're really hard to turn. So it's just been kind of figuring out how to loosen them up, but still be fast on like the fresh track, but not be too terribly tight when the track dries out. And that was our first 
race with 24 trucks all on the track at the same time, at least for me. So, um, you know, we learned a lot, especially uh, setup wise. You know, we'll take what we learned here and apply it to the rest of the season. But um, it's definitely a lot different. Um, I haven't driven a Pro 4, but I don't think a Pro 4 would drive quite that tight. I think you should be able to chuck it into the turn a little bit harder and stand on the throttle. But, um, you know, everyone that's running the series has been going back and forth with some of the iRacing uh, employees there. And we're trying to make these trucks better and uh, they're working on it. So maybe we'll see, you know, an improvement here either halfway through the season or at the end of the world championships and get these trucks a little bit closer to what they should be. That's something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Now with that, you mentioned that storyline again, touch upon that as it develops, but amongst those in the respective group for your side this season, not sure how many are in that conversation, for example, though, but in the conversation getting to is factory sim sport because it was talked about rogue versus factory almost in the discussion prior, because you have along with yourself, crystal King, Nicholas Dachalet, Dachalet should say, Tom Grady, Tyson and Terry Miller, Chris Plumley, a part of the roster, all drivers with experience in the league scene, including King, who picked up the championship and pro spec in Racecraft's championship. So how would you describe that team dynamic on your side this season? Yeah, you know, having uh, that many people on our team is, is big. You know, we can all go back and forth with each other on uh, – lines and um you know setups and stuff like that um i definitely the obviously team rogue is is there and, and nitro circus as well will be a factor um but you'd, we've definitely factory sim sport and along with legion some of those guys are legion it's just kind of an alliance but we've been putting uh in a ton of work since as soon as this series ended last year we went to work and uh a little bit transferred over from the old update, but not a whole lot. But even when the new stuff came out, we were all uh, hammered down trying to figure it out and get better. And, I mean, it paid off. Our whole team was competitive this first race out compared to last year. We had a, a couple guys up front, and then a couple were more towards the tail. So um, I saw huge improvements from the whole team, and I think everyone's happy with uh, our pace right now um, and where we're at. So with that, next time out is Crandon, and we know how crazy Crandon can get. Your expectations for the next round of the season when things kick off in about a week's time, in fact, on July the 6th, just after the 4th of July. Yeah, we'll just do uh, try and do what we did at Wild uh, West. Um, you know, my main goal, I didn't, wasn't even trying to, you know, I was just kind of trying to come out of Wild West with uh, a couple of top 10s and not uh, be rolled over in the first two turns, so... I was uh, very happy with my first results there, and we'll just try and do the same thing, just try and survive turn one at Grandin and take it from there. My main goal is just to finish every race. Last year, I was able to be in the uh, top 10 every race and, you know, consistency. Uh, usually, we'll put you in the fight for the championship, so that's what we're going for all year, just like we did last year. Well, on that note, where can fans follow along with you on social media, as well as to keep up with how you're doing, especially for the races coming up? Uh, all my social media handles are just my first and last name, so at Keaton Swain. And then uh, you can also check out Factory SimSport. Um, all their handles are at Factory SimSport. We post all of our most of our sim racing stuff on those channels for the whole team, so you can check us out there. Well, once again, Keaton, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Keaton Swain, your current points leader for the new season of the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series.
kicking off at Wild West on June the 22nd. We come back. News of the Week with Taylor Burris. You're listening to the iRacers Download for the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. I'm back here, Taylor Burris, along with Justin Prince. He just got done talking to our two frontrunners in the 2023 iRacing Off-Road Championship Series. And let's dive a little bit deeper into this, Justin, as they had their first race of the season at the Wild West Motorsports Park. And it was an exciting battle to see these drivers go head-to-head once again for 2023. And a lot of drivers are going to be pointing fingers to see who will be at the top of the standings come the end of the season. Again, as talked about by the drivers, tale of two different races. Because first you had an intense battle between one of the rookies, Joe Bullitt, and then you have Keaton Swain, a veteran who was just the very minimal hoping for a top 10. But the intriguing part in all of that was, again, just the learning experience to see how Blewett would handle things in that situation. His first pro series, basically, after years of being in with multiple different NASCAR groups. In turn, Swain picking up the victory, of course, albeit taking the lead initially by accident, as he said. But then you also have Liebert, who didn't qualify necessarily well. And we know qualifying so critical in these world championships. However, because of that inversion format for the second race, if anything, that helped him more than anything else. Just to be able to run away while everybody else who was towards the front of the last field just ran away. And in turn, it's going to be intriguing, though, how the championship plays out early on. Because Keaton Swain, again, doing well. Connor Berry. Defending champion second, 94.6 points back to Swain. Josh Edmondson within nine points. Blewett within nine points. Liebert within 14 to start the season. And keep an eye on Josh Edmondson and Connor Berry. Of course, Connor Berry, you're defending champion, Justin. But it's going to be, I think, consistency that will get you the wins. Because if you notice with Jarrett, he was winner in race one, or race two, I should say. But then, of course, didn't even make it into the top five in race one. So it's all going to be a matter of consistency race after race in order to come out on top for this championship, which is going to be an exciting one as they head to their next round, the coming up on the next Wednesday at Crandon International Raceway. Catch all the action on iRacing streaming services and on RaceSpot TV at 8 p.m. with the All-Stars kicking off the action as some of the top sim racing pros go at it then at 9 o'clock. Moving on from getting down and dirty, we're going to go a little bit to the world of Chicago for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. And it was none other than the road course ace himself, Bobby Zielinski, pulls an incredible strategy to win the inaugural E-NASCAR Chicago Street Course race. The one that counts for points indeed. And that race was intriguing because it wasn't a normal type of Bobby Zielinski win, I think it's easy to say, because... Parker White blew a lot of people's expectations out of the water and then some. One of the rookies for Tony Cut on eSports. Someone who has quickly risen up as a result of not just the unaged, but also 
just with the multiple different top groups he's been with a part of his ascension over the past three years. 29 of the laps led of the 40 laps turn, should say, went to White, mind you. But that strategy definitely put Zelensky on top where it was thought initially Zelensky may be in the best spot since, after all, he started off towards the outside, inside of row number two. But again, it wasn't as cut and dry as, okay, this is how this is going to work out. It was an impressive running for Parker White as those two held off Stephen Wilson amongst that top three who ran away and decimated the field. I have to say Parker White was by far one of the most exciting ones to watch from start to finish here where he was able to work his way up through the field and pull off an exciting fight. And of course, it's probably the best finish this season for him and for Tony Kanan Esports. And then, of course, you got to throw in Steven Wilson, who came in third. The top three separated by less than a second when they came across the line. And the intriguing thing to mention, too, is for lots of fans, this was the first major scene point for some on how Chicago would race. Because remember, the last time it appeared on the NASCAR schedules for in a major way was when it was 2021 or 2020-ish, when it was still in development and not even a set-in-stone race quite yet. That was the first kind of hint that they wanted to do this in the next year or two. The course, of course, has changed a little bit to, first of all, mention that. But second... This type of race is more, I think, what you may see in the real world this weekend in terms of the action, specifically during July 1st and 2nd, compared to what we've seen two years ago here at Chicago. Of course, the big question is, Justin, and this is kind of a bit of an exciting one with William Byron and eNASCAR and Logitech. They also did a bracket challenge, and this was the first race of that bracket challenge. And I got to ask, did you get to enter into it before they finished up? I actually did, believe it or not. Yes, I put in a bracket. I have not checked it because I'll say this. I did not have Parker White doing this well in that bracket. Well, I will say I checked my bracket today, and so far, I have had all the drivers that I picked moving on to the next round, except one. I believe I only missed one driver, or did I not? Looking over everything? No, actually, I got it all right so far. Okay, so I can tell you this. Tower Gary disappointed me. He did not beat, he ended, or rather, Garrett Maines disappointed me. He got X'd out. Alan Bowes really outbeat his expectations. Colin Keister didn't do as well because I thought Parker White would be around mid-pack, to be honest. And then Keegan Leahy, I'll be surprised. I'm shocked in Leahy. I know he's not as great on road courses, but the backing he had, I was expecting to be higher than 25th and a 35th qualifying spot, I'll be honest. So yeah, you're in a better spot than me. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. The next round, of course, will be at the Nashville Super Speedway. So we'll see who moves on to the next round as part of the bracket challenge. A little bit more, I think, up in the air type deal. I think for me, I have, for my pick winning all of it, it's going to be Michael Conti winning the bracket challenge later on when they wrap it up after Michigan. Would you believe I put Michael Cozy Jr. in because consistency? I don't think my bracket's going to make it at the rate it's going because I just <laughs> lost one of the final four. You certainly might have had a difficult opportunity to see what happens. But hey, who knows? We'll find out at Nashville Super Speedway coming up in a couple of weeks' time. 
But as one championship gets started, another is halfway through, a new one is getting ready to qualify its top drivers for the 2023 season, and that is the Turn Racing Grand Prix iRacing Championship, presented with, of course, Delara utilizing the Delara IR01. It's going to be curious to see who qualifies because that's going to be the major thing. A lot of potential new drivers, but also it's a car that's been utilized a bit more on the oval side compared to the last championship. That's in turn why one of the races on the schedule is Pocono Raceway, which is also on the regular season schedule. No different racetracks to what's on the actual pro schedule. It's worth noting. It's going to be curious, though, how the cars run because... Some have indicated a little bit on the concern on the potential needs of updates. It's going to be intriguing, though, with the schedule being as such. July 6th, the Red Bull Ring, GP. July 13th, Autodroma International, Enzo Di Ferrari. So, Imola, the GP circuit. Then you have Circuito de Jerez, the new racetrack on July the 20th. Pocono on July 27th. Spa on August the 3rd. Belle Isle, August the 10th. That's going to be intriguing. And then August the 10th. Brands Hatch Circuit GP. So you have really a mixture of two or three open wheel series here with how the schedule is structured this season. It's really going to be exciting to see that here. Pocono is going to be an exciting one. I have to say Detroit always puts on a good show for any series you run on. So we'll look forward to seeing this championship picking its top drivers for later on this year. Well, we are going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we will sit down with your winner from the Chicago Street Course as we get ready to head and sit down with driver for Joe Gibbs Racing, Bobby Zielinski. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Turning things back over to eNASCAR competition, Bobby Zelensky, as mentioned, picked up the victory with the use of strategy in the inaugural points race at Chicago. In eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series competition, series that has experienced some eNASCAR appearances, mind you, when it came to the rear-world drivers, as well as in an all-star format. Bobby Zelensky, though, picked up the victory, and not the way we usually expect from you, Bobby. Strategy coming to play. How would you describe Chicago? Yeah, I kind of had to. Um, it was something I thought about just leading up to the race. Like, if I don't get pole, if I'm second, third, whatever, what are my options? Because I knew passing was going to be extremely difficult with the dirty air. So straight away, I had a good start of the race, and I sent it um, because there was space. And I made the corner. But then I ended up second, didn't get the lead. So from there, I'm like, okay, I'll push Parker a bit. Um, I'll try to stay as close as I can. Um, maybe he makes a mistake, I can pounce on it. But eventually I realized that it was just too much dirtier and it was too quick to to have that big of a difference on. So I just started lifting and coasting into the big braking zones and saving fuel because I knew I could then jump him in the pits just by taking less fuel. Um, and I knew I could stay with him while saving fuel. Uh, so that was essentially uh the master plan that almost sounds like the strategy used in the porsche tanker esports super cup rather than coke i'll be honest though 
Yeah, I guess it, it would, it's like more like an endurance race strategy, like seeing like a six hour race or 24 hour race where, yeah, you're lifting and coasting to try to make like an extra lap or just take less time in the pits um, for sure. And that's kind of where I learned it just from doing random races like that. Like I, it kind of reminded me of like, if you've ever done a Daytona race, like it's multi-class, like I, I did a LMP2s or yeah, it was on P2s at the time. And that race was all about like, oh, if you're not leading, which you kind of don't want to be leading at the Daytona Road Course in those, save fuel, try to take the least amount of fuel and come out in the lead with a gap. Um, so that's that's for sure like an inspiration. It was about a one second difference in terms of the save. It was estimated by those watching along with the smaller fuel amount. In terms of that, that's also intriguing even when you factor the potential of the tire stoppages. It's something that's kind of fallen back a bit. How is that short fuel strategy in turn feeling for this season that you em in turn emphasize at Chicago? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I just thought of like Monza because like the road courses with the tire we have now, like we have pretty much no tire wear. Like we have, I guess, tire wear, but we have no fall off on lap times. Mm -hmm. And um, I think everywhere, like on ovals, you always want to have like, lower fuel if you can get away with it just to save some weight get some you know better better speed out of the car but like monza even i went like an extra lap i was lifting coasting there a little bit just to make sure i didn't pit and come out behind somebody maybe lose some time um so you know you didn't need to take tires so i took like literally i think exactly a gallon less than parker and i didn't have like the greatest like when he pit I like I was gonna pit and I checked up to pit and then I realized he was pitting and then I went so I lost like four tenths of a second there and I think he ended up losing some time too. Um, other than that, you know, it was it was yeah, it was just like about a, I think it was exactly a gallon because it's I think it's a tenth of a second per tenth of a gallon, and um, I, I I literally <laughs> went as close as I could because I still had to lift and coast that last nine laps a little bit. Um, it was it was that close, but um, we we nailed it. So, so Chicago, kind of a preview for a lot of fans actually to see what the real world race would be like. How does Chicago race, in your opinion, and why? We'll we'll see because like I think there's a definitely going to be a bigger disparity between drivers in real life because I think um, a lot of us you know we had a lot more laps on the track. For, you know, compared to what we're actually we're actually racing on the track, we can practice in sim, whereas they actually have to go there in real life. And who knows how accurate those, their sims are um, compared to real life. Uh, they have a lot more. I'm sure they'll have a bit more tire fall off than us. So maybe some strategy. I don't, I don't think they run. Pretty sure they're not running stages at any road course. So um, mm -hmm. you know, might see some undercuts, and those might be really interesting to see if someone can undercut by two laps, and then the dirty air is bad and they can't get past you know, by, um, you know, and, and then if, if there's like a caution with like 10 to go, you're probably going to get like five more, um, because people are just going to be crazy aggressive, but there's, there's really only like a couple places that I think are relevant to make passes. Like turn one's not even very good because you, if you make a pass into turn one, you got to complete it in turn one. You don't complete it in turn one, you go and turn two side by side, the car next to you is going to be to your right. They're going to have like three straight right-hand turns that they can pass you back or just keep their position. So I think turn six and then like turn 11 in the Coke race, we saw Dylan all bump and run Busa and it was like perfect. Um, you bump and run them. Hopefully they don't go on the wall, but you get to their inside and then you have another right-hander in 12. Like that, those are the two places I'm going to be looking for in the race to see people actually make moves. 
and then maybe a little bit in turn one and two. But it's going to be really tough to pass. It's a really narrow track, and you got dirty air. So I, I think people <laughs> people are going to be bumping people a lot. The funny thing about that bump and run sequence you mentioned, I'm pretty sure it was Busa who was racing at the Navy Pier for the Coke race, too. So yeah, that's something. But it is a lot about the environment when you think about Chicago, or rather a street race in general, too, because you're bringing the race to the fans, as some argue. Yeah, well, what's special about it as well is just the challenge it is on the drivers. Like, there's no curbs, rumble strips. It's just pavement and walls. And every corner, you have to be right against that inside wall. There's maybe turn three is the like quick little right, but, but uh, before turn four and five, like maybe you can get away with being a foot away from that wall and it doesn't really matter. But like pretty much every corner, you got to be right against the inside wall. And then especially how kind of fragile some of the suspension has been in the in the front of the car is like easily just break a toe link or whatever break a break a suspension front suspension flat tire whatever if you just underdrive the corner um that's what i'm looking forward to i think the special of it is like the location you know people are gonna be watching from buildings and stuff and as well as just the grandstands but it's like i can't i don't know if there's a tougher road course that they'll go to just because of the consequences of messing up it can end your race. Now, moving over to the championship in of itself, you're actually the series leader amongst the top 13 in points with win three wins, I should rather say. 11th in the points, but you've got the most wins. What's kind of your take on that? Because that really helps you on the win side, at least in theory for the postseason. Yeah, I'm, I've been just focused on getting my wins up for bonus points for the playoffs ever since I won Richmond. Um, you know, just taking risks, being really aggressive in all the races. I, mean, I think Monza was the next race, and that was pretty simple as just get this thing on pole. And I was even aggressive with my qualifying lap there to, to make sure I did that. Um, but it's resulted in me being pretty mid in the point standings uh, because of uh, really aggressive decisions I normally wouldn't make. Um, and because of mistakes like that, specifically Charlotte, where basically drove from midfield to fourth with like five laps to go or whatever, and they wrecked for the lead. And I felt like if they didn't wreck for the lead because of how good I had my tires, I was in contention for that one. But I was fourth. It was like green white checkered, half the field pit, half didn't. I was one of the ones at pit. I, I got in a wreck. I finished like 30-something when I was an easy top five, right? So that would have helped my points, but that wouldn't. It would help team points, but it wouldn't help my championship challenge because unless I won from fourth, which ultimately would have been a better decision, I think I'd had a better chance just staying out. So little decisions like that that I've made that are bad decisions that I'll learn from seven seasons in when I'm doing stuff I don't normally do, just being aggressive because I don't normally win early in the year. So, um, you know, learning from that and just, just going for wins. All I care about is bonus points for that three-race playoff to get into the championship. Um, they don't reward you for, for how you do in the regular season other than those wins. So it's pretty uh, pretty easy for me to, to make these, these risky decisions to, to help get more wins. Well, so, go ahead, Justin. So latching on to that point then, you plan to go full steam ahead on that focal point or rather that strategy point? Or do you plan to tweak that or adjust that now for the closing parts of the regular season towards that postseason? Yeah, the, the adjustments are just from 
the mistakes I've made leading up to this point being aggressive, like, okay, that actually is a very low chance of working. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And you just you learn how the tires wear. Like, you know, it, we were on 40 lap old tires at Charlotte, and I, I thought that was too much, and it really wasn't because it was only two laps to go, and you know that there's only so room, so much room on the track for new tires to come through. So, um, yeah. Like, you know, it, I, I will be a little more safe just to get maybe a nice, nice finish in top five, top 10, uh, maybe at Nashville. Maybe I'll be a little more careful, um, help, help out Joe Gibbs Racing with the team points because I uh, should be more responsible about that. But um, I'm still going to be headed for wins, trying to master qualifying because that's really important with how short our races are. And uh that's, you know, try master qualifying, make sure I'm up there to, to compete for the win. And I know I have a great team behind me to, to get me the car. Well, speaking of some questions, Bobby, regarding a couple of things, the Chicago Street Race was utilizing the fixed setup, of course, as well as a couple of other races this season and in the coming up in the future, we'll be utilizing iRacing fixed setup. A lot of controversy and talks regarding some drivers want the qualifiers, the pro series, and the championships, and all the iRacing series to be fixed to make it more balanced to where anybody can go in and do it. But also some, you know, are in the like, it brings a little more real life into it with people who can make adjustments to their setup, building setups, being very meticulous with how they want their car to drive. That benefits for them to go out there in their race. Uh, what is your thoughts behind this idea? Yeah, I definitely think the fixed setup can actually favor certain people more than others just because it drives more like they like it. Like the Chicago street course fixed was like plowing into the center. I hate that on road. So I had to really work on like fixing that, but I was still able to do it. Now, the issue that I have is fixed is more like an entertainment thing. Like, okay, sure, fixed setup like on paper. Yeah, the best win. But the best never wins in NASCAR or hardly ever wins in NASCAR because everyone's so close. And there's green white checkers. There's a lot of luck involved in NASCAR, um, you know, the playoff format, whatever. So it's not, you know, I, I don't really buy into that. I, everyone's really good and a lot of people have a chance to win championship races, whatever. Um, I just wouldn't be very entertained by every car having the same speed in it, especially with dirty air. And there's only one best way to drive the car. Everyone's just going to be in a line all race. Now, at a track like Talladega, it doesn't matter if it's fixed or open, really, because in the current draft model, like all the make, you just got to make sure your handling isn't super loose or super tight, and you're good to go with open. In road courses, you know, it matters, but it's mostly driver anyway, because you're turning left and right, braking zones, whatever. Pocono, big draft track. That's where we'll have our next and last fixed race of the year, and it's, it's drafting, right? So it's kind of a mix, you know, with like Daytona, with how long the straights are. So like, I think at your average track, if like we did fixed at, you know, Phoenix or I don't know, Charlotte, it probably would be a lot less entertaining because you wouldn't have short run cars and long run cars, comers and goers. Everyone would just be kind of stuck in a line saving tires, which, you know, some respects, we all kind of sit and save our tires now anyway. But it, it kind of limits you and it limits teams. Like maybe you're a team that, you know, really hits on the setup one week and you can get your driver a win, you know, and, just hit things right. I think it just takes variables out of the series, which make the series less interesting and less compelling. And I just don't think it makes sense for the product we're trying to serve. It makes sense for a private league, but you know, I, I don't, you know, I used to be a big proponent for fix, but then I was like, well, it's the Coke series or the peak series at the time. I'm going to learn setups and I'm going to do, you know, this series requires this. I'm going to learn how to do this. 
So I can't relate to, you know, not diving into the setup if you're going to be in the in the series. But um, that's my two cents on it. So on that note, Bobby, next race Nashville. Quick thoughts on Nashville because we've seen how things have gone first with the All Star race there in 2021, but also last year where Ray Alfaro picked up the victory. How would you describe Nashville in that preparation so far? Yeah, I I haven't started any laps yet. Um, still got quite a bit of time for the race, um, but I know my team has. We have a we have a setup already kind of made. We'll have to work on it a lot more, but we have something made to to drive on that's decent. Um, and I'm just yeah, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna focus more on qualifying because I haven't been qualifying very well. I mean, even I I qualified third at Chicago, but I, uh, wasn't happy with that. Just try to make sure I I get everything right with uh you know the the Q prep everyone. You got to get those tires right for the Q lap, qualify up front with the short race. That's pretty much my focus. I think if I qualify up there, we'll have a good enough race car to stay up there. And um, hopefully I won't have to make any goofy moves and strategy to like get a good finish. Hopefully we can just earn a good finish and uh, maybe a win. And um, that's my mindset. Where can fans follow along with you on social media or to see your perspectives as we get ready for the rest of the Coke season? Bobby Zelensky everywhere. All right, and one very quick question. Are you going to be competing in the IRL one? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, man. I, I'm a little pooped from Porsche this year. You know, I, I it's not like I put a ton of time into it, but having to switch, you know, around with uh, racing early, racing late every week between Porsche and NASCAR plus I don't know when contenders are gonna start for Porsche because I finished twentieth points there, so I have to I have to do that to try to make it back into Pesk, but Nah, I, it, it definitely would have been something interesting me like four years ago when I was trying to race everything, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to maybe enjoy and watch and maybe show for the Pocono Oval Race. All right. Well, just thought I would ask, but on that note, we thank you once again for the time. Congratulations again on the victory in Chicago. We'll see how you do in Nashville. Yep. Yep. Thanks. That's Bobby Zelensky for Joe Gibbs Racing. Picking up the victory at the Chicago Street Circuit in the Enoscar Coca-Cola iRacing Series. It's first points-paying race at Chicago Street Circuit, that being July the 27th. With that, though, it's time to get ready to say goodbye. For Taylor Burris, for producer Richard Colbrett, as well as for all of those who've taken part in our interviews for this episode, I'm Justin Prince saying so long. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening. You've been listening to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by my race pass.